Welcome back. This week, we are going to, you know, no, no discussion about COVID this week, no talk about, we're not even going to talk about school this week. We're going to talk this week about depression. Depression. You know, I was really tempted with the uh, CDC announcement. Yes. You know, every week, <laughs> and you're right, every week, you just, you just want to talk about COVID, you know, because it's yeah. such a part of our lives. And this week, of course, the CDC changed its mat and states are scrambling now to end the, you know, like it's all over and everything. And mm-hmm. Um, you're, 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 you're just tempted every week to yeah. have a lengthy discussion about something about COVID, you know? Yeah. So. It, it's, it, it's a hot topic. Like, it's, like, I still want to put it as one of the keywords, um, one of the taglines in the podcast, just because it, everybody's searching for COVID news and stuff. Right. Right. Um, just, and you wonder how many hit, you know, you, if you go into the algorithm, how many hits did COVID get this week? And right. It, exactly. Billions. <laughs> But no, it's still a it's still a sad truth. You know, it's really with us. Um, India and Brazil and other countries yeah. are really struggling. You know, um, and it does contribute to, to and it does contribute to depression. Um, you know, well, that was the thing. I, I think a lot of people. That was the other thing that struck me is that a lot of us are dealing with um, with more profound feelings because of the pandemic. It's bound to affect um, all of us and affects everybody. And, in different ways, uh, it, it affects different people differently. But one of the one of the battles we know we've had is um, is it depression or is it just the blues? Is it just sadness? Like an existential? Is it part of my problem? Of, is it an existential problem where I'm running into problems of daily living, or is it more than that? Could it be clinical depression? So it is a topic that has come up and is directly related to the pandemic. But I thought, you know, it's really a good idea every once in a while sort of uh, review your thinking about these topics. Right. And, and that's what this did for me is that it gave me pause to sort of get, uh, regain my perspective on depression. Absolutely. And the, um, you know, every once in a while, WebMD will, will post a slideshow or something mm-hmm. that, that addresses myths and facts and all this kind of stuff. So we pulled from there um, and, and added a couple of our own um, to uh, of d- just different myths um, and different facts about depression because it is one of the most prevalent conditions, one of the pre- most prevalent mental health conditions that we that that we have. Um, you know, approximately one in six people at some point in their life mm-hmm. will experience um, a major depressive episode. Um, right. You know, we've all experienced depressive symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know that anyone has or ever will is completely escape that. But, um, but you know, to think that almost 20%, you know, one in six people uh, will experience some form of depression is, is pretty, pretty significant. Right. Yeah, and that's a good point that all of us are going to experience the ups and downs that life presents to us, you know, uh, and but different people handle those things uh, differently. Some people are more resilient. So, um, this is also tied to one's basic temperament. And some people have a very easy temperament and are more resilient. Others have a less, um, others are less resilient. And when um, life challenges occur, they have a more profound effect. But I think there's this important issue of when is it just, when am I just simply having a normal reaction to life's ups and downs to when am I clinically depressed? And that's a that's an that's an essentially that's an essential question here. Is when should I be concerned that perhaps I have a clinical depression? Absolutely. 
So, so we'll go through some myths first, uh, 10 myths, and then we'll talk about 10 facts that, that many people may not even know about. Uh, right. to the, even though so many of us experience it, um, may not know these. So, um, so but we'll talk about myths first. Right. And the first myth that we're going to talk about is that, you know, there is this myth that basically that hard work can beat depression. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, that just isn't necessarily true. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, if you're not depressed, you tend to think that, well, if you stay busy, you work hard and you stay engaged, that you can stave off depression. But um, th- that's not that's not the case with depression. That's the case with maybe if you're sad or you're grieving and you want to get your mind off things. Yeah. But if, it, you know, you, let's say you've had a relationship that ended. Okay. And so, yeah, if you stay busy, it helps you to move on, but that's the grief process. And that's a normal part of grieving. Um, that's not what we're talking about here. You don't, you don't outwork depression. And in fact, overworking uh, the, uh, to immerse yourself completely in your work um, might be a sign that you are depressed. You know, people who, people who bury themselves in their work, um, it might be a sign of depression. So you have to be careful about this relationship. Or it could certainly cause depression. Um, get, right. you know, we know that many times those of us mm-hmm. those who become overworked, um, they become depressed right. because of working so much. So you're fatigued, yeah. frustrated, you're not getting things done. And you can, you know, if you have a propensity toward depression, it can, it can get you to that tipping point where you um, move into clinical depression. Right, right. Uh, A second, another myth is that, that depression just isn't real. That, you know, hey, we all, again, we all experience some sadness. We all experience the blues. That's all it is. And um, so depression isn't, isn't a real illness. Yeah. And, you know, we get, as therapists, we sort of tire of this argument that ADHD or depression or any of these things, right. you know, or, or um, alcohol use, that it's a moral failing, you know, that there's somehow it's a moral. These are real, I mean, there's enough evidence now from my goodness studies in the last, probably at least the last 30 or 40 years about genetic studies, um, hormones, nerve cell receptors, brain function, neuroimaging. Um, all point to this is a real brain disorder. There's something different. All of this um, research has shown us that there is something different about the brain circuitry in people who are truly clinically depressed. I mean, the, the, the evidence is overwhelming now. So it's th- this argument that it's not a real illness, I think should, should be put aside. It is a real illness. In fact, it's the top, it's the, it's the uh, primary cause of disability in American adults is depression. Yeah. So yeah, this is a real thing. It's in our brains and um, we need to acknowledge it as some type of illness, just as we do with physical illness. Right. And you mentioned, um, you know, genetics and biology, and there, there are twin studies that demonstrates yeah. that twins, even those that are raised apart, so they're not even raised in the same house, right. you know, are, are more likely, if one of them experiences depression, it's more likely that the twin will experience depression than it is for, you know, just the general uh, prevalence. So right. um, th- there is a heritability, there is a genetic component to it. And so it is a real thing. It is a, a real biological condition. Um, and, and anyone who has a truly experienced a major depressive episode knows that. 
they, they yeah. know that it's not just I'm not just sad right now. This mm-hmm. is this is depression. Right. Right. Which kind of leads to the next myth. And that is that depression, that depression is just self-pity. Right. Um, you know, there, there is a such thing as a self-pity, of course. But huh. but again, if a person has been depressed, has experienced a major depressive episode, they know the difference between mm-hmm. right. depression and self-pity. Yeah, in our culture, in our country, we, we, we value power and mental toughness and come on, you got to get up and get going and this, this frontier mentality. And we disparage whiners. You know, there was a, the famous character, I think it was on Saturday, wasn't Debbie Downer part of Saturday Night Live? Yeah. yeah. And it, it became a joke. Debbie Downer was a joke because she was a whiner. She was filled with self-pity. Um, and, and we all do that occasionally. We feel sorry for ourselves. But that's, again, not what we're talking about. Depression's a medical illness, and it's not just whining. But again, if, you're, if your partner or a family member or a child uh, begins to exhibit um, signs of self-pity and they're persistent, then you need, to, you need to think that, well, maybe we are headed toward depression, and it's not just, not just self-pity. Right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, another uh, another myth is that depressed people cry a lot. You know that they they that it, if a person is depressed, that just means that they're crying all the time. Um, and, and many times, what you see with people who are depressed is that they're just they're emotion what we would call emotionally blunted. Right. Uh, they don't feel anything. They they talk about feeling numb. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a that's an important issue because we're always trying to differentiate. Is it just the blues or sadness or, you know, life problems? Um, and we say, well, people who are depressed cry or people who are depressed do this. The problem with depression is the lack of emotion. I mean, you just don't feel anything. And that's what people describe is that I'm just numb. I feel nothing. I'm not happy. I'm not, I feel nothing. Okay. It's that emptiness that, that people describe um, with depression. Um, you feel worthless. You feel lonely. You feel useless. Um, and, and it's not the expression of emotion, it's the lack of expression. Absolutely. So yes, a person who's depressed may present as very sad. Right. Uh, they also may present mm-hmm. as, as very flat and just flat, very right. unreactive, not non-responsive. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there's another myth that um, if a person goes to get help for right. depression um, and, they, and they start medication, that it means that they're going to be on medication for the rest of their life. Right. Um, and, you know, we've done it. We've done another podcast on the challenges of coming off of antidepressant right. medications. It's a really difficult thing to do. Um, it takes time. You have to wean off of it and um, all of that. However, medication is just one treatment for depression. Um, mm-hmm. And in fact, oftentimes, you know, when you think about the, the um, treatment protocol for depression, um, the first line of treatment for depression is, is talk therapy. Um, and, and it works for most people who have depression, especially mild to moderate depression. Um, talk therapy helps and, and, you know, sometimes time just helps. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it doesn't necessarily mean meditation for the rest of your life. Right. And, and people will frequently ask, well, if I go on, I'm usually asked that question by parents who, right. who have teenagers or young um, 
um, young children and they say, well, if, I, if, if she starts on medication, does she have to stay on it for the rest of her life? Right. No, that's not necessarily the case. Right. What, what medication does is it reduces symptoms. So instead of having, you just said, if you have mild or moderate depression, frequently uh, talk therapy alone, psychotherapy alone, will will ameliorate the symptoms and, and you'll get back to a more um, normal life, okay? Um, what medication does is it reduces your symptom. It can reduce symptoms so that you move from severe depression to mild or moderate depression and then talk therapy will work. Right. And then you learn the coping skills that you need. Because you're on medication and the symptoms are reduced, you learn coping mechanisms that you can use instead of medication. And then you, you have the possibility of coming off the medication and still being able to manage it yourself. Absolutely. So, yeah. so think of medication as a way to get to non-drug uh, therapies, non-drug interventions. Absolutely. It, it, it helps make the person capable of learning and mastering the coping strategy so that they can right. then you know, handle it, hopefully without the medication at some point. Exactly. And, and, and as you said, normally it's a combination of medication and non-medical treatments as it is with ADHD. You know, you, you don't look, we're not looking for a cure. We're looking for symptom reduction so that we can learn how to manage it ourselves. Right. I mean, that's the goal. It's not to, not to rely totally on medication. Medication just assists in getting you to um, being able to manage on your own. That's right. Outside of just a couple of conditions, mental health conditions, all, right. all mental health <clears throat> requires both. Um, uh, yeah, best practice usually results in a combination of both. Right. Yeah. Uh, another myth is that depression is just a part of aging. Mm. Uh, and, it, and, you know, people point to the fact that a lot of our um, older population um, are just sad. Um, they're sad perhaps because they're getting older, because of aches and pains, because, you know, a, a lot of other things that come with, with getting older. Um, and again, you know, while, while much of that is true, um, that, you know, you have some of those changes and, you know, changes in your body and, and things, um, it, it's, it's not, depression isn't just related to age. Yeah, we need to be very, very careful with this one because um, it embodies two really um, important aspects of depression. One is that depression is often a reaction to life events, and we understand that. Um, the other is it's very easy to confuse um, memory loss and even right. dementia with depression. And again, we have this confusion over is it um, is it this or is it depression, you know? And, and this really comes up in the elderly because the elderly are having life experiences that can cause you to be sad or depressed. Um, you do get aches and pains. I mean, inevitably, uh, cartilage wears out and you start to have joint pain. Um, food doesn't taste as good. Um, your taste buds begin to die off as you age and food just isn't as satisfying as it once was. Um, sleep patterns change. You don't sleep as well. And we know that's related to depression. And then you have all the existential issues of time. You know, you're looking ahead at <laughs> one of the things that we all will face is you have a lot more, you have a lot less time ahead of you than you have behind you. And some people really struggle with that idea. And then, you know, Eric Erickson, the great 
uh, psychoanalyst told us about the last phase of life where you look back at your life. And if you're not satisfied with how you've lived your life, you can develop despair and depression right. in old age because you do have regrets, you have resentments um, and you, you don't, you, 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 you look back at your life and say, boy, I'm in a mess of things, you know? So that can lead to depression. So there are many, many existential reasons why um, the elderly can struggle with these feelings. But again, we have to be very careful that, that it's not true clinical depression. Right. It's responding to life events. A absolutely. And, and while we're talking about age-related um, myths, let's, you know, we can talk about teenagers. Um, right. There's a myth that you know, teenagers are just unhappy by nature. Um, and so they, they're not really depressed. They just, um, you know, life situations, life experiences, um, and they're just they're just sad and irritable, um, but it's not depression. Um, right. Again, those are life circumstances that can contribute to feeling sad and feeling withdrawn and those kinds of things. Right. But depression does truly exist in in teenagers. Absolutely. But again, I think we need you know we go through that enormous brain change at puberty, and and, and you get all these new chemicals, um, and we know that girls are more affected than boys because estrogen interferes with serotonin. But I think the two times when it's hardest to sort out, is it depression or not, is the teenage years, mm -hmm. because teenagers tend to have exaggerated emotions and right. emotional reactions, and in the elderly. And those are the two times when it's hardest to sort out whether it's depression or not. Um, and, and, I, and I think it's those are the two times when I think I would seek professional guidance. Right. Okay, because that's when you need somebody who's looking at this, not from an emotional standpoint, but from a clinical standpoint. And you need to be very, very careful that you get it right. right. Now with teenagers, you know, teenagers have these ups and downs. Um, they get irritable, they get sad, they get depressed. And I think as a rule of thumb, we're looking for some uh, prolonged symptom presentation, whether it's in the elderly or in children or teenagers, we're looking for a prolonged presentation of symptoms. If it, you know, if it goes for a couple of days or a couple of weeks, it's probably not depression, but if it lingers and if it continues to, to affect them adversely, then I think you might be looking at something uh, more akin to clinical depression. Absolutely. And if we keep going backward on the developmental uh, trajectory timeline, um, you know, another myth is that, you know, young children and infants even, um, that they are not depressed, that they, they, they can't have depression. Right. And again, it, it, that is not true. There, there's been some pretty solid research that demonstrates that, you know, children, even, in, even infants under the age of one year, um, show signs suggestive of depression. Even, you know, um, there's, a, there's a great, um, there's a psychiatrist and neuro, neuroscientist, um, Bruce Perry, um, mm -hmm. who talks about how, you know, pre-linguistic um, assaults, basically, to the brain um, through trauma or, um, you know, neglect or abuse and things like that can profoundly affect the way that the brain functions generally and can lead to depression that they, the child has no memory of, of, of a history of any kind of abuse or, or problems, um, right. but yet can still manifest as depression or irritability or anything like that. And so, we know that those symptoms still exist, even in very young children. Yeah, and it's and it's easy to understand if, if you if you accept the hypothesis 
that depression is a result of some difference in the brain, not necessarily damage, but maybe damage to a circuit or a structure. Anything that would damage that circuit or structure could lead to symptoms of depression. It doesn't have to be a response to life events. It could be prenatal exposure to something that happened to damage a circuit that we know is involved in depression. And yeah, that'll create depression in, in infants and young children. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So the, the last two myths that we're gonna talk about have to do with, um, uh, do a little bit more with, with treatment. And, and one is that, you know, talking about your depression only makes the depression worse. Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, and of course, part of that is getting at, you know, when you talk about being depressed and stuff with, with friends and family and things like that, but also talking about it if you're in therapy, you know, maybe a lot of people avoid therapy because they don't want to talk about it and they feel like it's going to make it worse. Um, but in fact, you know, the research suggests that it doesn't. Um, the, you know, when you, Think about some of the big uh, folks in depression research and depression treatment, uh, like uh, Aaron Beck and some others, who look at the importance of addressing very directly and in, in, in a very targeted way uh, cognitive distortions or you know things that we tend to think about when we're depressed that just aren't true. Like I'm never going to get any better. Everybody hates me. Um, I never do anything. Um, good. Uh, when you address those very directly through talk therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy, that it can have a really profound um, positive effect on the person's symptoms. You know, one of the, one of the simplest is um, people tend to catastrophize, you know, they'll say, well, this is going to, okay, what's the worst possible outcome? Right. And I'll say, well, this could happen. I said, can you live with that? And they said, well, yeah. Okay. So it's not as bad as you had made it. And that's where a skilled therapist can walk you through those things. Right, absolutely. And get you to, a, to think just a little different perspective can have an enormous effect. Right, mm -hmm. and, that, and that does get us to our, the last myth that we're gonna talk about, and that is that depression right. is difficult to treat. Mm -hmm. um, depression can be difficult to treat, but you know, 70% 70, 70 or more of people who are depressed and seek treatment in, show significant improvement, right. um, many of them just with medication. Right. Um, but when you combine medication and psychotherapy, that's the, the most effective, most efficient way to find um, improvement and to maintain improvement over a period of time. Yeah, I think as, as therapists, we first of all have to be self-critical. And I think there are times when, and, and, and we're forced to certainly by insurance companies and third-party payers, to make a diagnosis. We have to get to a diagnosis very quickly. The issue to me with depression is make an accurate diagnosis. Right. Okay, get get to it. Uh, wasn't it Dr. Silver who used to preach that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he would say, it begins with an accurate diagnosis. Right. You have and, to get the diagnosis right. If you get the diagnosis right, you'll get the treatment right, and then you'll see improvement. Absolutely. That's right. And we've talked many times in this podcast, we've said that uh, this can imitate other things. This can mask other things. It can, you know, it could be, it could be more uh, something other than depression. And so if, if it is something other, but you treat depression, you're not going to be, your treatment will not be successful. Right. So all of these things begin with an accurate diagnosis. If you get that right, and it takes time to make an accurate diagnosis because it's complex. The picture is not simple. There isn't a single thing that you can say, oh yes, this is depression. 
you might you might make that diagnosis too early and it's going to lead you to an ineffective uh, treatment okay so it's not it's not difficult to treat if you have the if you have an accurate diagnosis now if you go to medication it may take you a while to get the right medication that's a, that's a very different issue and right. you just have to experiment how many people come to us and say, well, I tried this medication and it made me worse, but I took this and it made everything better. Mm. Or, or I took this medication at this dose and then I started to feel good again. Yeah. Give the therapist time to find the right medication. Yeah. First of all, for the right diagnosis. Right. Then you can work on getting the right medication. Definitely. So, all right. And so now we're going to switch over and talk about some facts. And, and the facts are going to... Uh, bring back some of these things that we've talked about with myths, but we're going to, the fact that we're going to start out with is, is the reality that anyone can get depressed. Anyone can experience depression, men, women, um, anyone can feel depressed and um, children, you know, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, So, so, you know, it's not a age related thing. It could be anyone. Right. And, it can be the result of a life problem, um, mm-hmm. grief or loss, or, or it, it can appear out of nowhere. Sometimes people just wake up and all of a sudden they're sad or depressed or something has changed that you feel, and it comes out of nowhere. So right. it can be either, it can work either way. Right. And it can work at any age. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm, um, <clears throat> as we're doing the podcast, I'm distracted by the fact that I always do the podcast with this window behind me and we're, we're doing it a little bit later than usual. And now the sun is like, I'm trying to move my camera a little bit because the sun is. I was, I was going to tell you the star of Bethlehem is over your shoulder. <laughs> I'm seeing if I, I look out the window, you might see three camels, right? I'm trying to see if I can change my camera angle just a little bit to make it not so bad. Is that the sun coming up? It is. Well, see, time changed, right? We used to do this in the dark at the same yeah. time of the day, yeah. but now it's morning. Yeah, so um, that's a little bit better. But, you know, give it a couple of minutes and the sun will be higher and who knows what, what it will look like. So It'll come in a different different angle. So. Yeah. Oh, there, balance brighter. I thought you were, bl- I thought, boy, Bernie, <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna follow that star and see, if, see what's going on in that manger. There, that's a little bit better. There you go. Okay. Now you can just see my... We see all your paraphernalia. We see all That's your behind me. Yeah. yeah. So I forgot right. about the tripod. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so. Okay. All so, right. So, yes. so the first get depressed, including men, including men. Um, and you know, we talked about how um, depression is is more prevalent in in women, but what research is starting to find is that it may not be that it's that much more prevalent in women. It may be that it's just Men don't talk about their feelings, and we, we've right. done podcasts about this before. But you know, it, it's really it can't be emphasized enough the the reality that men men grow up with the with the almost direct teaching that there are really only two emotions that you can feel: happy mm-hmm. and anger. Right. Those are like the only two emotions that men are are you know usually allowed to experience. And, um, and that's a, you know, we have many more emotions than that. Um, but because of that, depression can look different in men and it can present differently and, and men will cope with it differently. Instead of talking about it, they, uh, because they're not supposed to feel that way. So they will mask it with things like, 
um, reckless behavior or drinking or drugs or something like that. You know, and traditionally women seek professional help and men don't, you know, I I used to tell my students, women go to doctors and men go to bars um, when when they're depressed. Men men have these feelings, they simply don't express them and they don't talk about them. They express them differently. Uh, They express it as, as you say, happiness or anger. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the feelings are there. They just don't talk about them because you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to be weak. You know, you're, you're supposed to be able to handle everything. You're a guy. No, don't be, a, I think their word is weenie. Don't be a, don't be a wimp. Don't be a weenie. No. Um, well, that's not what it is. So you bury it and you try to go on and right. you get overwork and drug use and alcohol use um, and all these compensatory mechanisms. Absolutely. And just as we talked about a few minutes ago with the myth and, and very similar to what we're talking about with men, um, it, it, it's, a, it's a fact that depression presents differently in children and teenagers. Right. You know, again, we think about that, you know, whether it's the flat lack of affect or emotion, or we're talking about de- sadness and, you know, th- that over emotion of, of sadness and everything. Um, in children and teenagers, many times depression presents as anger and irritability and agitation, right. um, short tempers and, you know, and yelling and rages even. Um, so depression looks different at different with, for different people. Um, and so we just need to be aware of that. And at different ages, you know, it, it can be expressed very differently um, by men and it can be very, expressed very differently by children and teens. Absolutely. Now, another fact is that depression, um, depression can be a little bit sneaky. It can sneak up on you and sort of slowly find its way into the way that you think you're thinking about things and experiencing things. Um, There's, there's a, a a subtype of depression called um, dysthymia. Um, Now it's called persistent depressive disorder. Um, But it's, uh, it's sort of a, you know, mild to use a, maybe a, a strange word for right. <laughs> thinking about depression because yeah. the person who's experiencing it certainly won't necessarily think of it as mild, mm-hmm. uh, but it's sort of a, a, a mild, low level depression, right. but it persists over, you know, by definition, it has persisted mm-hmm. for two years. Right. Um, and it is a, a real condition. Um, so it can be very sneaky. Depression can sneak up on you. That's right. Um, yeah, I, I always worry about this dysthymia business because that's even more because of the mild symptoms. It's really it's a little more difficult to pick out and say, you know, it's not just temperament. You know, there's a little bit more going on here. Right. Um, but that's that's another thing that we need to be aware of. Yeah. It slowly undermines you over time, over long periods of time. Right. And, and many times um, the, the challenge really is that because it ends up being there for so long, because it's sneaking up and it's just slowly worsening, it does make it a little bit more difficult and tricky to treat because, you know, it just, you know, when you think about the, the ways, the, the cognitive distortions, the ways in which people with depression think, um, the way that our, our brains make us see the world, you know, if you're doing that for two days, that's one thing, because you can remember three days ago, you know, I didn't think that way. Right. But when you've been thinking that way for a year and a half before you realize that it's a problem, you know, it's a lot different to think about, you know, remember how you used to think, you know, 20 months ago? Right. No, I, I can't remember that. It's really difficult to remember thinking positively about something. Yeah. So um, the longer it lasts and goes untreated, the more, more difficult it is to potentially to treat. 
Right. Mm -hmm. Another fact is that, you know, even if there is a family history, because we talked earlier about the genetic, like a genetic predisposition, that if you have a family member with depression, your risk of getting depression is is increased. Um, We talked about the twin studies. Um, But just because there's a family history doesn't necessarily mean that you'll still get it. You know, the chances are that you can still overcome that, that destiny. Right. Um, yeah, you're not, people worry about that. They say, well, my mother or my father, or my parents. Um, just because it's in your family genetic tree doesn't necessarily mean you may have a propensity toward depression because of family history, but that doesn't mean that you're going to uh, develop severe symptoms. It, chances are they're going to be mild. You, it, you know, you're going to have mild or moderate symptoms but you have a propensity. So you need to be careful. You know, you, 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 you need to take positive action mm-hmm. if, you, if you suspect, and you need to be careful of how you manage your life events if you know you have a genetic predisposition. But just because you have a genetic predisposition does not mean it's gonna be expressed. Think about it. If you have a family with five children, if, if it was a de- genetic determinism, all five would, would have it. Right. That typically doesn't happen. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah, and it's the in it's the same way with anything. If you have a you know, if there's a family history of anxiety or a family mm-hmm. history of alcoholism, right. you know, you you just in, make deliberate decisions that you know can help prevent that from happening to you. So, right, and it's not always it's not always that easy, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, but there are some things that you can do to decrease your risk. Right. Another one that, another fact uh, related to um, something you were talking about a little bit ago is that sometimes depression can imitate dementia. Right. You know, one of the things that happens sometimes when we're depressed is that we have a hard time concentrating and focusing, right. which can make it where we have a hard time retrieving information. So it makes us look like is that we have memory loss or that we're confused right. or that we're not seeing the world quite the way that it really is. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that we're feeling or experiencing dementia. It could just be depression. Right. We all know that there's age-related memory loss. Okay. That, that's well known. And it's usually not a problem. But I'm finding that with the elderly, and the elderly can be from the 50s on because different people experience these things at different times. Um, if you're concerned about dementia, either in yourself or in a loved one, there are centers around the country. We have one in Tampa where you can be tested for dementia. Right. Okay. If you rule that out, if that's ruled out, say, no, this really doesn't, then perhaps it could be depression because depression will create all of the symptoms we associate with, with dementias. You know, there's memory loss, confusion, even delusional thinking mm-hmm. can accompany depression. And in the elderly, because there tends to be this cognitive decline anyway, depression can exacerbate all those characteristics, but it's not dementia. And that's an extraordinarily important difference to make, to to find, is that, no, this isn't classic, this isn't dementia, this is a little bit of depression that we can treat and we can do something about it. So get treatment if you're concerned. Absolutely. And that does lead to the next fact, which is that, you know, just because you feel sad, just because you feel down, doesn't necessarily mean that it's depression. Right. Um, 
we experience lots of things in our lives that can mm-hmm. lead to depression or disappointment or grief or, or, you know, any of those kinds of symptoms. Right. Um, and just because a person is experiencing that doesn't mean that they're depressed. Um, and, and I'm going to kind of lead into the next um, fact uh, related to that in just a minute. But, you know, again, we all experience some of these things that make us sad. Um, but it doesn't mean that we're depressed. Exactly. And, and again, we, we talk about the elderly and teenagers. Teenagers have a lot more stuff going on. The, the life of a teenager is much more dynamic, organic, troublesome, troubling mm-hmm. than it is at, at most other times in your life. I mean, right. you're, you're dealing with identity issues and school and decisions and interpersonal problems and competing on athletic teams. There are many reasons um, that emotions um, are elevated. And the same thing with the elderly. There's stuff going on when you're older. People around you are dying. Um, siblings are dying. Spouses are dying. Um, and, and, and you're not as capable of managing life events as you once were. So emotions tend to be um, elevated at those two times of our lives. But it's not necessarily depression. Right. Absolutely. Um, th- you know, those are those are uncertain t- times. Those are times when you're experiencing a lot of things right. new, you know, you, you've never experienced those things before. And anytime, you know, novelty can create intrigue, but novelty can also create discomfort. Discomfort. Uh, despair. Right? Mm-hmm. We have to be mindful of that. Yeah. So if you're dealing with a teenager or if you're dealing with um, an elderly parent or elderly relative, be there, get, seek professional help but do so in a very careful, methodical way. Don't just jump to, oh yeah, well, she's 70, she might, you know, this is depression, this is anger. It may not be, okay? So seek help, but but be cautious and be careful and, and um, get a skilled clinician who walks through this in a very methodical, careful uh, way. Absolutely. And, and thinking about, um, you know, and I know that you, we, we've talked about this a lot, so I know that you've seen patients who tend to do this as well. Um, you know, there, there are many people who, as soon as they experience something that kind of pulls their mood down a little bit, right. immediately start saying that they're depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that leads us to the next fact. And the next fact is that positive thinking can help. Right. And, you know, when many times we have a tendency to pathologize, sometimes over pathologize, you know, mm-hmm. you feel you, you've, uh, you see this in teenagers, a teenager fails a test and all of a sudden they are, you know, the worst student in the world and everybody hates them and they're never going to be successful. Right. Um, so they're, they're, you, you mentioned the word catastrophizing earlier. They, so they start, they start catastrophizing and they take this single incident and they globalize it. All of a sudden it happens in all settings and right. you know, they, they make it permanent. It's always going to be this way. Um, and we work really hard to, to help people think more positively, not because you're trying to fool yourself into thinking, oh no, things are great when really things are not great. Right. Not necessarily talking about that, but you know, one of the best ways to combat depression is with optimism. You know what, things will get better. Right. Um, for most people, every time you've been depressed, mm-hmm. you've gotten better. Right. The depression went away. Um, it doesn't feel like it in the midst of the depressive episode, right? But it will. You will. It always right. relieves. Mm-hmm. 
That's right. Um, there is, you know, people say, well, I just can't think. It's, it's hard just to think happy thoughts and think I'm going to do it. That's not what we're talking about. Right. We're not talking about, oh, if you think happy thoughts, you'll feel better. And right. I, feel, I feel bad for patients who come in and I say, well, no, you know, I'm, I was with this therapist and they just said, well, you have to change your thinking. It's not that simple. Right. Okay. It, it can happen, but um, you just can't simply change your thinking. You have to be taken through this process very carefully. Okay. Right. Somebody has to hold, hold your hand and walk you through it very carefully. You just can't go into a therapist's office and suddenly start thinking happy thoughts. That's not how this works. Absolutely. So, so this student who, you know, fails the test and says, you know, I, I'm an idiot. I, I, I'll never pass this class. I'm, um, you know, you start talking about, well, how did you do in the last test? Well, I did okay on the last test. Okay. So it's not quite every time you take a right. test, you know, um, and, and you can start working through some of those things. So you're not thinking so permanent and so global and so, you know, negative about everything. Um, you, can, you can sort of shift some of those thoughts to a little bit more positive direction. You know, one of the things we see in teenagers from puberty on, uh, teenagers want to be accepted by their peers. It's a, it's a fundamental part of being a teenager. And frequently teenagers will come in and they, they, they're, not, they're not part of the popular group, they call it the popular crowd. And, and, and as you said earlier, life falls apart. You know, they overgeneralize. They say, well, if I can't, if I'm not popular, then my life, you know, I don't have a life, you know, but wait a minute. Your life consists of more than just where you are socially. Your social life is only one part of your life. Right. There are other parts of their lives that might be going quite well. And frequently we'll, we will see students who have straight A averages, but because they're not popular, the world is falling apart. And you have to take them through the other parts of their lives and, and give them hope that there are other parts of their lives that are going quite well. Right, yeah. absolutely. Don't focus on one thing. Right, and that does lead to the next um, uh, fact, and that is that hope for better days is real. You know, when you, when you can look forward to mm -hmm. something, right. Um, that has a powerful effect on your mood and how you're feeling about yourself and, and your life. Yeah, the hopelessness that you feel with depression is, is just one of the symptoms. People, we tend to forget, if, you, if you've ever been depressed and you've ever felt this clinical depression and hopelessness, it is a profound, heavy feeling. I mean, I, I understand that. But it's not the reality. Hopelessness is not your condition. It's not the reality of your life. It is simply a symptom of your depression. So if you treat those symptoms, the hopelessness is going to evaporate, it's going to dissipate. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And the last fact um, that we're going to present today is, you know, one of the easiest forms of treatment <laughs> that I think is available, and that is exercise. Um, you know, th there, there are some really strong you know, research studies that have been done to demonstrate the powerful effects of exercise on improving symptoms. And, it, and in fact, there was, a, there was a study done a couple of years ago that showed that going to the gym twice a week, just mm -hmm. twice a week, lifting weights for, you know, I think it was like 20 minutes um, mm -hmm. twice a week can not only reduce symptoms and improve a depressed mood at the time, but can also be preventative right. of, of a depressive episode. And this was 
some good research that came out of, um, you know, again, research looking at the impact of um, exercise on mood. So exercise is a, is a terrific way to improve mood. I'm glad you mentioned prevention. Yeah. Because uh, people tend, the getting up and moving, even if you're just walking slowly, um, it can help you deal with the symptoms of depression. You'll feel the, once you get out and start exercising, you'll start to feel better and, and you're going to feel some relief of symptoms. Right. But if you exercise regularly, it helps to prevent depression from entering or getting worse. And I think it's the preventive aspects that's really important with exercise. Absolutely. You know, when you think about the things that depression makes you want to do, mm -hmm. to stay away from other people, to, to right. stay in bed, to stay on the couch, to, um, to not move, mm -hmm. um, you know, the best way to combat that is to do exactly what the depression doesn't want you to do. And one of the main things is, is exercise, getting out. Yeah, it becomes, becomes like a little devil in your life. You know, the, no, stay on the sofa. No, keep eating chocolate. No, don't, do, don't get up. And you have to, you, there has to be some willingness to fight that little demon telling you to continue doing what's not good for you. What was, it, what was that thing about walking in the fort, fort? There was a term for it when you walk in the woods. Nature bathing. Was it nature what? Nature bathing. Bathing yourself in nature. Um, yeah, if you from, walk in a forest, you'll feel better. Yeah. Something about doing. And, and those are the sorts of things that you have to do. What makes you, some people need to go to a gym because they need to be around other people and that's good for Other people want solitary walks. So find what works for you. Different things work for different people. Find what works for you and do it. Do it at least two or three times a week. Yeah. And, and it will, I, you're right, exercise is one of the, easiest and least expensive ways to manage depression, to manage and prevent depression. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. Yeah. Well, I think that's it for today. Okay. Ten, 10 myths, 10 facts about depression. Um, there are loads more that we could talk about, but those were some of the big ones. So, all right. Well, that's all then that we'll have for this week. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid. <laughs>